Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon. And it's better weather than it is in Texas, says the tornadoes are ravaging that poor little state. Don't ever call Texas little. Anyways, I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own band, Helsing. And with me, the man who has no tornadoes, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons. Good evening, but now I've got to correct you. Right I know you're going to. When do you not correct me, by the way? When, you, when, when you're right. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you said... Um, we have no tornadoes. Yeah. Actually, statistically speaking, Britain has more tornadoes per capita than America. Mm-hmm. It's but you check it out now. So theoretically, you, I am well, not, not right incorrect. now. No. Right. I said the man has no tornadoes because Texas had tornadoes. So therefore, I am correct in that phase of mind. God. Huh? See, that's what you get for correcting me all the time. I'm an American. I'm rude. I fight back. <laughs> well, that's good. Anyway, okay. Yes. But is that true? Is that really true? That yeah, they no, have seriously. It's, per it's capita, which is per, per head of population, we have more tornadoes yeah. in America. Um, what's, and like, this is the other thing. We have in Britain, or actually the city of Birmingham, has more t- more miles of canal than Venice. Yeah, I, th- I think that's awesome. You, you know, it's like before. there are yeah. all sorts of little weird oddities mm-hmm. like that because we are actually a very small island. Mm-hmm. So, although the population is expanding, it's mostly Albanians now. No Poles? They get rid of the Poles? No, oh, no, it's plenty of them. In fact, um, it was only yesterday the Polish Air Force uh, landed a helicopter at the gunnery range near here. Oh, cool. Oh, That's white people, get... you know. We're probably going to get shouted at now by the um, security for giving that one away because I otherwise, you know, people might figure out that we're training some Eastern European soldiers here. No way. Yeah. So are we. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. there you go. And we're all geared up for the coronation. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So it's, it's just over a week away, isn't it? Is it really? Yeah, May the 8th. I thought it was in August. No, May the 8th. He was going to have it on May the 4th, but somebody realized that there might be a problem. Yeah, Cinco de Mayo was the next day. No, it was more like... (laughs) He was going to go up up the... um, To get his crown put onto the Star Wars theme. Oh, cool. May the 4th, joke. Uh I got it. Ah, so... You know, I was... uh... And, and, and you, what you you talked about the tornadoes and st- statistically thing, and I started watching a, a series uh, that was uh, it was intriguing. Uh, it was a good series I, because it's British and everything British does is great. Uh, but Not everything. Well, I, I'm I'm giving you the 
on them whole versus statistically speaking. Anyway, well, statistically, it's better off than it is in parts of Texas right now. Yes. So anyways, uh, this this series was uh, about uh, girls from Bletchley Park. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And for those for those who don't know, will you tell our listeners what Bletchley Park was, Steve? Yeah, it's uh, it's a big playground area with swings and slides. Oh, and stop it! <laughs> During well, Bletchley Park um, was um, a large country estate, big big uh, house and grounds that was commandeered at the start of World War Two and was used to house um, one of the government's key interception, radio interception uh, monitoring services and decode uh, the messages uh, of the Germans using the, um, well, it was it was famous. It had the world's first computer in it, which was invented by Alan Turing. And, uh, who ended it, up killing himself. Who know. ended up killing himself. But uh, in fact, it wasn't actually known um, until many, many, many years later, because this location and what took place there during World War II was secret and the people that worked there had all signed the Official Secrets Act and they abided by it and didn't tell anybody what they were doing. And the machine itself was dismantled um, at the end of the war. And the, the plans for for the machine were kept top secret. And of course, IBM came along and said, we've invented the first computer and everybody went, oh, it's great. And it was put into all the books as the world's first computer because the British didn't tell anybody that they had designed one uh, during World War Two mm-hmm. um, to decode the German Enigma uh, codes. And I'm sure you've all seen the the movie about the U-boat and the capture of the, the Enigma machines and... There's a brilliant but, piece of, of of thing itself, German engineering, and itself it was excellent. Idea. It was incredibly complicated. Yeah. Um, um, we had we actually had the Enigma machine. It was given to us by the Polish. Um, they they managed to capture one, acquire one, and they sent it over to Britain at the start of the war. They realised that their country was going to be invaded, and they sent it to us. And the code. The the Enigma machine people can look up themselves, but basically it looks like a typewriter. It's got a QWERTY keyboard, uh, a series of coloured lights, um, some white, some cables like a telephone exchange, an old-fashioned telephone exchange, mm-hmm. and either three, four, or five mechanical uh, toothed wheels that you can change the order of. And by when you press the key, a light came on by on a letterboard a bulb lit up on a letterboard and that was the code so if you typed a the light for w might light up the next time you pressed a the light for v or q or any other seemingly random letter uh would would come up and you needed to have the rotary wheels those tooth gears in the correct order in order to decode so that when you typed in the W, the A would come up so you could decode the message. And Britain had worked uh, to decode the messages um, using code breakers and such. 
then the Germans came up with, uh, they added more rotors to increase the complexity of the coding and the number of combinations that you would have to work through in order to guess the rotor combinations. Mm-hmm. And the early code breakers, they treated it like they were all uh, mathematicians or people who were intensely good at word puzzles and crosswords. Uh, they were all recruited from different branches of uh, the military, Navy, Air Force, Army. Many of them were female mm-hmm. um, because secretaries are very good with words. Uh, there was a lot of uh, university uh, academics and undergraduates, including Alan Turing, who was brought in to to assist. And the first codes were always decoded kind of almost by guesswork. They knew they, they would look for what were called keys. These keys were words that they knew the Germans would transmit. Uh, for example, the, what, some of the earliest decoding was done because of meteorological reports. Um, and so they knew at a particular time the Germans would transmit the weather forecast. They knew what the weather was and they could use that. Inf- Once they recognized one word or one uh, portion of a word, they could then use that as a key to unlock the code. But then when the complexity of the system changed during the Battle of the Atlantic, the U-boat wars, uh, we couldn't break the code anymore. And Alan Turing um, used his mathematical skills and suggested that the process could be sped up by the use of this artificial intelligence, um, which consisted of a huge rack of um uh, valves and cables and wires and uh, all manner of mechanical it was actually built by the post office uh for him post office engineering built it for him and um it was called the bomb the bomb or sorry parts of it were called the bomb these were auxiliary parts of the of the the system mm-hmm. um and that was all took place at Bletchley Park. Uh, the house itself housed um, mostly administrative stuff. Um, all of the decoding took place in huts in the ground, in the yep. grounds of the, um, and different huts dealt with different things. There was naval and army and mm-hmm. hut, so that nobody had the full picture. That was the important right. thing. The the ingenious thing about the Enigma machine too was is that these uh, the six uh, cone wheels at the top could be changed. In other words, one day it would could be you know a certain order, and then they could change that to another order. So yeah. it, even though that you might had it the day before, it's it might not be yeah. good the day next day. Each each Enigma machine had a little booklet um, that was issued monthly or weekly, um, and that contained what we call the rotor disc or the rotor um these these cogged wheels i talked about earlier and the order in which they had to be put together there were between three and six depending on you know the complexity of the machine uh and the german air force i think they used three rotors and the navy u-boats used five or six rotors but you had to assemble these rotors not just in the correct order uh of one to six but also each rotor had 26 positions um that reflected the num the letters of the alphabet so the number of combinations was was in the you know tens of millions which of course that's a you know that many 
to one odds of having the rotors in the correct order to decode the message. Right. And then the next day they would change it. So right. every morning. Pretty amazing machine in itself. Well, I say for the Even first. Even more amazing that they were able to decode it, of course. Yeah, which... well, for the first couple of years, it was done manually because each. Right. Um, I think the first the first transmission from the weather came in um, in the very small hours of the morning, 1, 2 a.m., sent from Norway, from one of the Norwegian um, stations transmitting the weather. And I think the Germans had made a mistake um, that the British picked up on. And it was a the operator always said, good morning. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. There was a greeting. I, I don't know exactly what the wording was, but there was a greeting that he that the operator used at the start of every transmission. Um, hello, good morning. And yeah. of course, that was the key that allowed them to break the cipher each day. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, if anybody has not seen that movie, they made a movie about it. Especially, they made one about uh, the guy who invented the machine, and 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 uh, as it turned out, he was homosexually. So he after he saved the country, uh, they ended up putting him in jail, and he committed suicide, which was really sad. But uh, well, it wasn't. It it, it was. Right. Oh, it was a more than a decade later. Yeah, Thomas, different time. Thomas, yeah. yeah he, after the war, he went back to Manchester University, uh, mm -hmm. where he was uh, lecturing. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a relationship with a younger man, um, and homosexuality was against the law in Britain, and he was yeah. prosecuted for it. Yeah, different time, different thing. And he's now commemorated on a coin. He's been given a posthumous um, yeah. uh, pardon, but and now you know he's celebrated as a national hero, um, his achievements. And at the time, you know, back in the 1950s, um, mm -hmm. where, um, oh sorry, after the war when they were prosecuting, because he couldn't tell people what he'd done. No, because um, of the Secrecy Act. And you know, it was up until it was the 1980s before they they declassified this information and yeah. you you know I, I i've met two people who worked there during the war um both of them were female uh both of them worked in naval intelligence section and uh alongside bletchley park or adjacent to bletchley park there was also a large radio listening site to intercept the messages um, there were a number of those intercept sites dotted throughout the UK, and they they were connected to Bletchley. And overseas too. And overseas too. We had one in Gibraltar, Singapore. Uh, in fact, using Enigma and its and the um, intercept. Well, not just specifically Enigma, but the intercept services did warn the Americans um, of the impending attack on Pearl Harbor. But the Americans chose to disregard the information. Because we're Americans. Because we're Americans. That's the way we roll, you know. But British military intelligence did, did uh, back then, it, was, it, was, uh, it wasn't the CIA, it was OSS, wasn't it? Hmm. And OSS disregarded the information that British intelligence had sent, picked up in Singapore, that Japanese um, had intended to attack them at Pearl Harbor. Yeah. So, anyways, getting back to the the initial thing, I, I did watch this uh, uh, 
series uh, that was called uh, Bletchley Circle, and it was about some of the girls that way after the war, and and they end up going and, and solving murders. But the intriguing, the intriguing part about it, Steve, and, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about, is they use what they did at Bletchley is not only, you know, they were able to uh, analyze patents, analyze certain mm -hmm. things, and, and able to solve some of these murders. Couldn't that same mathematics, us, and we use mathematics to find planets that we can't see and, and many yeah. things that we can't see. Can't we use that same mathematics, that same uh, logic in ghost hunting as well? Um, possibly. I don't think anybody really tried. Um, I know. Isn't it intriguing, though? I mean, I, I, I mean, it's you know, it's late. I've been busy all day on the projects, um, but nothing immediately springs to mind where mm -hmm. anybody has done um, used um, those techniques. That there have been mathematical and statistical analysis done on whether um, phenomena cluster or take place along ley lines or in particular yeah. areas. But I don't think anybody's ever looked at a haunting from a mathematical perspective. It would be uh, an intriguing thing to do, I, I would find. Uh, of course, you, you'd have to have the right people to be able to. It analyze. could be, it could be, uh, but you would have to have the data for them to analyze. And the big problem with, um, well, there's two problems, isn't there? One, it's spontaneous and isn't necessarily happen to order. Um, and secondly, the quality of the data that we're getting from investigators is really quite shoddy. Right. But let's say, I mean, you and I, I assume you do, because I know we do, but if, if we have someone who reports, you know, strange activity in the house, the first thing we, we ask them to is to keep a diary. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. that would start to create a statistical base uh, for- It could, it could, it could say, well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And we, we do use the diary as a sort mm -hmm. of, um, because what you're hoping to do is to try and be there when some when you know shit right. is the fan. Or find patterns or and you're, what you're looking for, first of all, crude patterns, like does it happen in a particular place? Does it happen at a particular time? Yeah. Because you're aiming to try and be there in that place at that time. Is, so you're is there a certain for, person in the room when they're what are the conditions? All sorts of, yeah. You, yeah. They, these are all these are crude patterns that you use the diary for. Mm -hmm. Um there are caveats to using a diary, of course, because if somebody has, you know, oh, we see this thing occasionally and then you say, well, that's fine. Can you keep a diary? Mm -hmm. You're making them much more aware of they start looking more yeah. and they find more. So you actually end up uh, creating or making them more sort of hyper aware. Mm -hmm. um, but you can you can you can factor that out as well. Yeah, I, and and it's only it's only uh, it would be only as good as the data collected. Like for instance, uh, in Massachusetts, the great state of Massachusetts just had twenty seven thousand DUI cases or, or drunk driving cases uh, thrown out because uh, they found out that the machines were never calibrated. Yeah. So it's it's very similar to that. that well, that's you, what I said yeah, before. You, you collected material. I mean, you collected statistics, you collected things, but uh, 
the data, excuse me, collected the data, but you know, it's only as good as, as yeah, how the data is collected. Before. This was the second problem before, because if you look at the way current investigators go about conducting their investigations, the data they're collecting is really quite poor. Um, right. You know, oh, Karen felt a tap on her shoulder. Uh, the room felt colder. Um, Mary sensed a, a little girl standing in the corner. That's, there isn't any real hard data in that. There is nothing no. that you can... Um, really deal with you can get crude information from it of course you can say well you know where was mary standing which room was mary in what time of right. day was it okay. but you you know but why did how by how much was the room colder was it actually colder or did she just feel it was colder because there's a difference yeah we discussed it many times yeah, um, and so you know the problem is not necessarily oh that might be the reason why um People haven't tried it because the data that you're you're dealing with is isn't really suitable. Mm -hmm. But it is, you know, if you had the right data set, if you uh, had the right sort of conditions, set, like for example, we had at the shipyard, where you have complete control and a reliable group of people who are properly equipped gathering the right sort of data, mm -hmm. then. I'm sort of kicking myself that we never we never considered doing that, but we didn't have any mathematicians. I know that's the thing. You also need someone who can analyze it properly. Yeah, and, and, I mean, and, I I don't think you know I could I I can do crude you know which room yeah. what time who, blah blah blah. But beyond that, that's you know uh, one of the things that Anna and I always used to joke about when she was doing her university degree was the amount of statistics. Um. That, you know, when she was doing surveys and what percentage of people had this experience or versus that experience. And it was all and the endless complaints about statistics. Um, I was like, well, nobody loves math. Completely, completely beyond me, I'm afraid. I said to her, you know, glad it's you and not me. Mm. Yeah. The, the, other, the other thing, of course, is you would have to be able to do that over a long enough duration so that. It, yeah the data would be relevant uh, relevant relevant well, well you, i mean you know i'm i i investigated a number of places um mm -hmm. but the opportunities to spend a long time at the same location are aren't that common you know no. you can't go to somebody's house night after night after night you can't rig it with sensors and equipment and cameras because people have to live there um, and in you know all the years unless I've you're been Harry doing, Price, of course. Unless you're Harry Price, of course. In all the years I've been doing this, um, which is too many to count for a statistician, even, mm -hmm. is that um, we've only had four or five opportunities to have that sort of control. Mm -hmm. um, you know where we were able to go back day in, day out, week in, week out, month, years at the same place. And then, uh, that's phenomenally rare unless you own the building. Yeah, and then you have the, the problem like you have in the shipyard where you, you were able to spend a great deal of time in there, but because of the vastness of the particular location, yeah. you know, you couldn't be everywhere at once to, no, you know. No. So it's there are many, many problems, but it, it is an interesting thought in, in that it would be 
you know, very intriguing to me anyways, to see, uh, you know, if, if there are patents to, to haunt. Well, exactly one of the possibilities that occurred to me during this conversation is mm-hmm. we, we, we do see a lot of, uh, articles, items, expo- ex- uh, extolling the virtues of AI, artificial intelligence oh, and true. machine learning. Uh, and I'm just wondering what the possibilities, you know, you said something, it's not something we've ever done, it intrigues me, and my mind starts to run ahead and thinking, I wonder if you could use artificial intelligence to do the the sort of the heavy lifting and but then we get to the question is a house haunted if there are no humans in there well we well you wouldn't put ai in but you you might be able to use ai to look at the data sets oh i see what you're saying okay yeah and, um, and the yeah. ai by the way is not infallible no, it's not infallible, but yes. it is. I mean, it's used. In, yes. I mean, if you look at if you look at things like uh, the Tesla cars that can drive self-drive, um, mm-hmm. and if you look at you know, uh, we are moving towards uh, which, machine by the learning. way, do have problems every so often, don't they? Oh yeah, but mm-hmm. you know, so do so do humans. That's oh, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, somebody said was it to Elon Musk quite recently? They were asking him about one of his Tesla test vehicles or a Google test vehicle that had crashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Tesla. And Musk said, well, yeah, um, you know, this, the technology isn't perfect, but it's a lot safer than putting a human behind the wheel of the car. Mm-hmm. And statistically, you know, it is. Yeah, but that's, once again, there's only, there's only been, you no, know, if you look at the number of miles driven, Yes, you, but it's also look at the number of cars on the road, too. Yeah, but the Tesla vehicle didn't hit any of them. It ran into a lamppost. So what? I, no, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the number of Tesla cars on the road. There are quite a lot now. Quite a lot compared to gas-driven? Or even oh, electric? No, 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 no. I'm talking about... Um, there are several hundred thousand Tesla vehicles driving in the United States now. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the. I all, I would, I don't know, several hundred thousand seems off a lot. No, no, no. I, I mean, no, no, that's the number that have been sold and built and driven. And, you know, the, the Europeans are, I've got tens of thousands of them. Britain's got probably well over a hundred thousand Teslas. Um, they're quite common on British roads now. You, you know, you yeah, do, we have them here too. But you go out for a drive and you'll see, you know, a half dozen uh, between here and, you know, on a five-mile drive. Anyway, um, we are coming up to break. Common. And I see a Tesla coming, so I want to get off the road before I get hit. Anyways, <laughs> you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, International with Steve Parson and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Merrimack Street, and Phil in Massachusetts, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, uh, 15 High, oh God, uh, 15 High Street, not the River, Massachusetts, and our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. And look tomorrow for a new video going up on Patreon about. Maybe it might be something about we've talked about tonight. Who knows? But it may be. Anyways, uh, we'll be right back after the following messages.
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Bear X family. Welcome back to the second half of tonight's double header, or the the end, the second half of the first half of tonight's show. I need AI tonight, I really do. And uh, tonight's subject has been brought to you by statistical probabilities and artificial intelligence. So far, we'll see what and, part. And the letter. And the letter, letter from the IRS. Yeah, the letter B, in the number seven. Uh, no, that you was know, the first rotor setting. Okay. The, uh, let me ask you this. I mean, you and I have been doing this for a while uh, yeah, together and, and separately. Uh, and, and you've done a lot of TV, too. I've done some you, TV. Yeah, you've done a lot of TV. You've done interviews. You've done everything. So do you find it I, – I, I can't follow script. That's what I'm really getting at. I, I'm okay. Oh. Nightmare. But if I have to read something, you may as well forget it. If I have to memorize nightmare. it. Nightmare. Um, because, because when you're doing, most of the stuff I do is documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, with that little sort of break for most haunted. And there ain't no scripts. You know, documentary, they are filming you doing what you do. And the, they will ask you, you know, you do the bits to camera um, and then they'll they'll ask you some questions maybe to camera and um then they move everything around and they they reposition the cameras to get you know the different views because if you you know i'm sure when you've seen you uh interviews done in the street you know over a period of time this so they'll ask you a question then you'll give an answer then they'll move the camera around and say right can you uh, that was perfect love the answer can you do it again? Yeah. And you go, uh, not unless you play back the footage because I can't <laughs> remember what I just said. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'll, 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 I'll give you the same answer using different words and maybe not in the same particular order, but, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be the same answer. 
Because you can't. And that's one of the reasons why I actually like live television and radio. Um, because one of the things I learned on Most Haunted, a very salutary lesson, is editing or how you can be edited. Mm-hmm. Because there was a couple of occasions that programmes went to air and it appeared that I had just said something, not said, but because obviously I'd said the words, but not with the meaning that they had given to them. Um, because I had been edited. <laughs> and so people were asking me, well, why did you say that was paranormal? Uh, I didn't. And then they played it back and I went, oh, yeah, I see what you mean now. So <laughs> what, one of the lessons that I learned very quickly um, was if you, if you screw it up, um, and as you know, sometimes when you're in front of a camera, you run out of words or you go, oh, that was wrong. That's rubbish. Let me, let, let's yeah. start that one again. Hmm. Is to make a, some sort of embarrassing noise or sound so they can't use that footage then. <laughs> so you go, that was completely rubbish. I'm going to start again now. <laughs> and it stops them, cut, you know, at jump cutting it. So it looks like you're starting one thing and then say ending up saying oh, something else. Yeah, I, I find it yeah, it's so difficult. I mean, uh, there are times when I do uh, like commercials, uh, you know, might do a promo spot here or there, and you, you got a script, you write it down, you're like, oh, yeah. this is great, yeah. this sounds awesome, this is just what I want, you know, and then you, you might even, you know, when you're reading it, you, you look at your script and you're reading, it, it's like, oh, this is great, and you say it, and like it comes the smoking out man, like the smoking man trailer. Yes, and then you go and, and you try to, to spit. Yeah, if you haven't seen the Smoking Man trailer, it's available on our uh, Ghost Chronicles Patreon channel for the uh, Patreon members. And uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. That's I can't fun. remember how many takes that took that night. Oh, God. But yeah, I mean, you, you sit down, even you, you sit and you read it over again. But then when that record button's hit, all of a sudden it's like, uh, and then, of course, you and I are both, we like to give... Uh, people who come to see us or want to hear us we like to give them our best and a lot of times we're not satisfied with certain things and so we're we're very critical on ourselves at least i am anyways very critical at myself sometimes so uh yeah you know i mean yeah because if somebody asks you a question and it's Mm -hmm. your moment to give an answer um then you try to do the best job and if you fluff a line muddle a word up or say something that's not strictly correct you you don't want that broadcast um so you'll say well let me let's can i try that again i didn't get that right or messed up right. or let's have another crack at it um but the for me that's talking about scripts brings me back to um my recent visit to america and the pandemic because I quite enjoy um, doing the presentations. Mm-hmm. You know, I put some effort into them. I like you to make do, them entertaining. I, I, you know, but there isn't a script um, when I'm stood in front of a group of people because you can go off piste and you can ad lib and you can. Mm-hmm. I have I have some notes which I use to so I stay in the same order as the slides. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's you know. So I don't end up talking about the wrong thing. But when when we went into lockdown and the pandemic, we were then doing these things on Zoom. 
And when ah. you're doing it, when you're doing it to your own computer screen and a microphone, and you don't have an audience in the room that you can gauge the reaction and you use their response to, you know, time yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you you have to rely on a script. Yeah. And I noticed that when I was um, doing the Zoom presentations, they are very much that there's they're they're not lifeless, but they are airless because you are using a script. Yeah. And I felt um, bad. You, you came all the way over here and, and I had you up at the, the library and you ended up doing a, a Zoom talk at the library for like 100 people. But it was good. Yeah. But you, you don't have that interaction. I totally understand that. Yeah. And I, I really, you know, I don't, I don't struggle with the Zoom presentations. I enjoy doing them. But mm -hmm. it was a whole new set of skills I had to learn uh, to make the presentations interesting didn't just make it sound like somebody was just reading off a off a sheet of paper yeah and, and it's still not as good as a live one i don't care no nowhere near nowhere near as good as a live one um because you can't you when you're stood in front of 50 20 100 people um and you you say something they will respond mm -hmm. uh, it might be they they're yawning it it might be that you know they're trying to all get away, as once happened. If you remember, to who was it, who was it playing that night? Everybody um, in New England was playing. The Patriots were playing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it was very obvious that people wanted to get away, so you can speed up the process a little bit, cut things out, and you know bring the whole thing to a conclusion that little bit faster. If people, you know, um, and I've seen you doing it as well. Um, if people uh, ask a question or look puzzled, you can give them more information. You can say, well, do you actually know what that is? And then you can give them, you, you know, you can give them some additional ad lib information. You can make up funny story. Well, not make up, but yeah. you can you can, you can interact with them. In, exactly. Exactly. You can interact with them, which you can't do with uh, when making a Zoom presentation. It's impossible. Yeah. And it, it's a very different, um, but as you say, the nightmare when you're studying, that was really good. Can you say exactly that same thing again? Not a chance. And, and, and the first time, this is the first time I have ever seen it happen on anything that I've done and anything I've gone to is that we did Dining at the Dead and you, had, you did you, you bang up a presentation once again, but then we had some a uh, person in the audience who was on their own agenda reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it like throws you all up. It's like, you, you know, you, you end up, you know, have to, you did a great job on it. You know, would you like to give this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what did I, you I did tell us about I, it? <laughs> I did. I did invite them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but that's part of the, the art of speaking, isn't it? You, you will yeah. occasionally encounter the awkward customer, the awkward punters had a drink oh, too much. <laughs> you know, maybe had, maybe had a couple of drinks too many, maybe a little bit too self-assured. Mm. Um, you know, I think you're wrong, and I know better. Well, you come on up then. You do it there. See, yeah. you know. Um, I, and you, but you, you can't be, you can't be rude to them. You can't oh, be no, abusive. No. No. But you've got to find a way of calming them down because there are twenty other people who want to hear the end of yeah. the. The presentation 
When I used to do uh, Spectre Lebanon's as part of the Festival of Dead in, in Salem at, at around Halloween, I mean, oh. we'd be at the Hawthorne Hotel with 100 people, and about half of them, at least half of them, would be drunk. And yeah. you would have to I, deal uh, with that and still give you a good presentation, give them, you know, good uh, experience, but have to deal with that aspect as well. It, yeah. It's not that easy. <laughs> it's it's not easy. And, you know, what what's always frustrated me is afterwards um you know particularly with zoom um and since the pandemic people will you know i'll get an email can you we're holding a conference we would love you to give a presentation or a webinar um are you available um you say yeah i i, I can put something together now i put some effort into my presentations yep. as you, you should probably know and I get I estimate that it takes me for every minute speaking about a half hour of work behind that. So if I'm doing 30 minutes and there's probably. I don't know, 30, 40 hours. Of not not all in one go, but, you know, putting right. the slide together, making sure that the right pictures are there, that they illustrate what you want to say and blah, 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 and then putting them into the correct order and you know it's it's work yeah and you'll do you'll do your 30 minutes and they'll most since zoom they expect you to do it for nothing free and gratis and prior to that they paid you for an hour (laughs) you know well okay um 15 bucks divided by 30 hours is 50 cents an hour. Is that math again, Steve? 50 cents an hour. That's the going rate, um, which I think is frankly, you know, appalling. Because it is. Would you ask anybody else to do that? Or, no. no. And uh, you, you wouldn't get a plumber to come and, you know, fix a leaking faucet for that rate. 50 cents an hour. Here you go. You know, I'll give you 50 cents an hour. That was that was a great job, by the way. The, the, the leak has now stopped. Um, here's $10 for your trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but the paranormal community and event organizers seem to think that, you know, oh, well, we'll give you a table or you can sell some of your books. Mm. Well, I don't want to sell any books. I don't, you know, can you, can you just give me some money because I've got bills to pay? Um, you know, it's called and organizations like the SPR, like ASAP, like others, um, they they don't pay their speakers at all. In fact, the SPR expect the pit the speaker to pay to be there. What? Which, which frankly, I've always thought is bizarre. I thought they were appalling. <laughs> no offense. Gee, you are great. I would love to have you speak to all these people and, and come down and speak to us. Uh, by the way, at your expense. Yep. Yeah, you pay your own airfare to come over from wherever to wherever mm-hmm. or you drive there and you put yourself up mm-hmm. uh, sorry or you pay us to put you up and then you pay us to be at the conference and you give a presentation brutal absolutely brutal well anyways you know, well i'm going to extend this rant actually you got me on a rant now and all right I do, I, I do want to bring something else up too so no that's time it's only a short rant i've okay, been asked fine. by by a leading british university uh, later this year to go and teach their 
undergraduate students the arts oh. of field investigation. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool, too. Yeah. But they 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 don't pay you. What? Um, no. Nope. No, they don't pay visiting lecturers. And my argument is that the lecturer, the professor who contacted me and said, would you do it? It gets I said to them, I said, well, you know, I, I don't want to pry, but do you get paid to be a university lecturer, a professor? Yes. Um, why don't you pay me then? Is your time more valuable than mine? Exactly. Yeah, terrible. Oh, wow. That, that's yeah, that's that's bizarre. Truly bizarre, but that's the way they expect it to be. And you get I mean, it's the same in the media. You get people, you know, and, and I know it operates in America. Hey, that's a great ghost story that you guys have got there. Uh, we'd love to send, um, we'd love to feature you on Haunted Shithouses or whatever else program. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're My ghost story, that was the biggest one. And um, we'll give you 20 bucks towards, um, and we'll buy you a cup of coffee. Well, are hang on a minute. Are you, are you selling this series to the network and making profit out of this and... Is it, are you a commercial company? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you can pay me then. You know why they do that? Because there are so many ghost groups yeah. here in, in the yeah. States that they'll sell their soul to be on TV. Well, I, actually, uh, about, about 10, 10, 15 years ago, I, I, my wife, Kat, um, gave me a strong telling off about doing all this sort of stuff. And she said, she, you know, it was a big reality check. And I said, mm-hmm. Okay, from now on, if you want me, you pay. Simple mm-hmm. as that. The only one I never, I've never charged for, never will, ne- I never intend to, is charity work. Okay. I don't do it very often, but I refuse to take a brass cent for charity stuff. It just seems wrong. Yeah, uh, I would say, well, depending on on the charity, I, I would say. Um... You know, I, I do a lot of work for like the lighthouses and stuff. And if I do event for them, for the most part, I, I do get a some type of re- remittance anyway. You know, I think I, I, I mean, you know, charities have offered me expenses. And, and I've uh, like when I had to travel to Ireland to raise uh, mm-hmm. to, to do a, uh, a charity event, I was more than happy for them to put, you know, to um, pay for the ferry yeah. crossing. Yeah. But at the lowest possible rate, you know, we we found a way that, I, you know, I went over as a foot passenger mm-hmm. instead of normally. And so, you know, the plan was, let's cut costs to the bone here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yes, um, I th- I've got no problem with charities who have the funding to pay a okay. reasonable expense. And they can build a net to the ticket a lot of the time. Yeah, too. I mean, I would certainly never, ever seek to profit from a charity event. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's let's wrap this up. Anything else you want to add before? No, we... no, no, that's not rant sufficient. Okay, because I, I do want to get into one thing, and, and this, you brought this up earlier with the AI. Because, uh, you know, we, Jim Stonier, who, who is, does a lot of my EVP stuff here and everything, uh, a lot of technical stuff, but I had talked to him about this, and, and we, they have this voice recognition mm-hmm. software now right mm-hmm. the fbi has it of course in the for years but it's it's all so commercial availability yeah. uh, you see that on your tv when you talk to your tv remote but 
we were saying, well, how could you take, uh, for instance, out of EVPs, how could you take the human element out of it? So would you, could you do have AI listen to EVPs or whatever, whatever the particular um, mode of uh, audio is, whether it's uh, the, uh, what's that spirit box or whatever the thing, and have AI actually converter and would that be more accurate than a human um have you ever seen live subtitling done during a zoom presentation see what have you ever seen them when they switch live subtitling on in a zoom presentation yes do you remember they we, did it during we have the that King on our, our uh, videos on uh, yeah. yeah um have you ever looked at the subtitles that's true they are hilarious sometimes. They are funny. <laughs> uh, but it, it's actually been done. And I, you know, oh, tinkered, you know, um, not not scientifically, but there have been a few occasions where I've switched Siri on uh, to uh, when I've been listening to, you know, recordings and I've the phone's been nearby and I've put, you know, switched Siri on and asked Siri to listen. And well, the results are amusing. I, I wouldn't yeah. take them literally. Okay. Uh, I, re I remember the subtitling during that um, King Charles and the paranormal, you know, um, presentation. The presentation I did on that one, and they had live subtitling switched on. Mm. And uh, when I watched the video back after, oh, I must thought <laughs> it, it was it was actually surprisingly accurate. I would say about ninety percent of it was okay. Mm -hmm. But very occasionally it would it would it would change, you know, substitute a word. Um, and it was it, yeah, it was entertaining. So, yeah, it would, would work. This, what about FBI uh, uh, audio analysts? Well, they're very, you know, people say, oh, we've han analyzed our EVP. And as I've said in Ghostology, uh, I've said on, on in talks as well, it is a very, very highly specialist skill to be an audio analyst. Uh, there's there's only four or five in the in America. I think there's two in the UK. Um, and they're, they're, they're mainly employed in air crash uh, investigations to listen to the cockpit voice recorders. Oh yeah, black boxes. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I, I was watching a, a, an interview with one of them uh, a good few years ago now, and th it was interesting. The last line he said, which was, "We have all of these computers and technology now that can help us clean up the audio and can make suggestions and can take a sound and analyze it for words or whether it was the." throttle levers being moved or whether somebody was pouring themselves a cup of coffee in, inside the plane and uh, he said but ultimately it comes down to human judgment and the the expert interpretation of the analyst so the computer will help them but ultimately the final call is down to the expert yeah and it I takes takes i think 20 10 or 15 20 years before these guys are, are you know, experienced enough. Yeah. It and, really and, is phenomenal um, specialist. And, and, you know, the, the AI is, is not, uh, it's only good as, is it's 
what it's programmed to receive. For instance, you know, all these voice well, uh, commands, yeah. the car and the and the voice in the TV, it, it doesn't understand me at all. Uh, no, which is a surprise, I, I, right? <laughs> but, um, I don't know if you have, uh, if you can get BBC Radio 4. Um, they have a podcast, so you probably can now. But yesterday they 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 did a, an interesting uh, hour long documentary on um, speech recognition. Oh really? And, and the use of the use of AI. And um, they were saying they were talking about how it's trained and how this new chat GB, GBT um, chat bot is has been trained. Yep. Uh, and it's programmed by uh, they take uh, big samples, big huge samples of content from the internet, and use that to train it um, for looking at patterns and all 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 manner of other things. But they said because of its training, it is predominantly um, it will predominantly respond as if it were a. 25 to 45 year old white um western european or north american college graduate because that they're the people who are predominantly using the internet right um i don't mean the general internet like tiktok i'm talking about you know the <laughs> sites where where people are uploading a lot of content uh, a lot of um you know, uh, academic content. Right. And, yeah, that makes uh, sense. So they said the training is heavily skewed mm -hmm. uh, against, you know, people from poorer areas, um, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, accents become involved yeah. as well. So yeah. that you have that problem. Is, I mean, uh, you know, the, I know, I know, like, I know a few people who Scottish or Welsh and their car computer, you know, the, um, can't understand, <laughs> the word, can't understand the word they say. Yeah. Mine can't either. It's like, what? You no, know, that's not what I said. It's like when I have to, if well, I ask know, something to remote, I have Janet do it because she's, she can well, announce it. You know, Kat, Kat's, Kat's just got a new car and it's got, uh, you know, it's got this, um, voice control system that controls the telephone we're down in the last minute steve so we get around and you know she was saying the other day it took her 20 minutes to try and get it to make a phone call the other day <laughs> all right I'm I'm, i don't I'm understand back. you want me to call the dentist no i want you to call ethan <laughs> I, I and and this went on for 20 minutes i said just dial the bloody number <laughs> anyways we gotta wrap it up so uh anyways thank you for listening you've been listening to ghost chronicles international right here on tojanet radio uh brought to you by circles of wisdom 286 memory street Thuin, massachusetts the Glant messier family log loop 15 high street not the end of massachusetts our very good friends on ghost chronicle radio on patreon become a member a mere three bucks a month uh, access to over 50 videos exclusive a lot of them exclusive only to our patreon members so uh, till next time, uh, good night and God bless.
From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.